Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody. Hey, how you doing? God bless you. Good to see you today. Nice to see you. Nice crowd today. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I know it's starting into those warmer months and a lot of folks are traveling today. I want to pray for them. But um, going to have a great, great, great day today. Praise the Lord. Everything about it. A little bit later on we'll be receiving an offering. And thank you for your faithfulness in giving to the regular tithes and offerings of of the church, the, the missions. Uh, take a stroll down the missions hallway. Look into those faces and pray for those and ask God to bless them in a special way. Uh, we do have a special mus, uh, bus ministry bus, bus ministry uh, offering that's being received. We're, we're uh, kind of consolidating and, and upgrading our buses, so help us with that. And then the Nehemiah offering is for the exterior and interior as we get ready for our 60th anniversary as a church, it'll be October 29th, and everybody planned to be here, but we want to fix some things up before then. And then, of course, special offerings on special days. Coming up on the 18th is Father's Day, and so we are going to, by the way, every man will receive a memento for being here. God bless you. But we're going to be giving the gift of God's Word. We'll be back in that Beams offering again. You gave so well for, uh, for Mother's Day, for Easter, and other special days. Uh, today at 5.30, the Mixed Vocal Ensemble will meet to rehearse and get ready for the end of the month. We have Graduation Promotion Sunday, and we'll be rehearsing for that and also for other upcoming events that we'll be singing. And so we need everybody to come out, Mixed Vocal Ensemble at 5.30 today. The evening service at 6.30. Don't miss that. I hope you'll be out. Uh, when you're heading out today, stop by the bookstore. We've got many wonderful items, Bibles and other items. You know, it's uh, that season where there are a lot of graduations and, and other things going on. And so you want to pick up your items there and everything is, is really well priced. Uh, I have a special on a book called Which Bible Would Jesus Use? And uh, it sells for $19.95 anyplace else in the world. Uh, that's the price on it. That's what we paid for it, but I'm selling it for $15 while they last. And then if we run out, uh, if you go ahead and uh, commit to buy one, we'll get it at the same price. We don't get the discount. We're taking the loss so that you can have a copy of Which Bible Would Jesus Use by Jack McElroy. Excellent book. I've read it through. I highly, highly recommend it. All right, we're talking about revival. And uh, there are some things that are going to be starting up this summer. We're, of course, going to have not only the things I've mentioned, but on the 4th of July, we'll have... Uh, Sign-up boards going around, and we are going to have a great gathering of our church family on Tuesday the 4th. We had said Monday the 3rd, but I, I went ahead without checking it out. And many government and other jobs are not off that day. Uh, the 3rd is a workday for many people. Okay, go figure. So uh, we, we switched over to the 4th, and I trust that you'll be part. We'll pass that sign-up board. I hope you'll be a part of it. Bring your food items and have a wonderful time together. We are scheduling a startup of a very important uh, children and youth, act, youth activity. Children and youth activity. It's called Summer Extravaganza. Mark this down now. It's going to be on Saturday, July the 15th from 10 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon with a, a pre-registration like we used to for uh, Vacation Bible School. We're going to have registration, pre-registration. Don't miss it. Be part of it. If you'd like to volunteer, uh, make sure you talk to Brother Tyler about that, and uh, he'll make arrangements for you to get properly trained and placed in your service. 
and the kids are going to have a great time, but we're going to also open the doors for new prospects and new families. We're going to reach out and get a lot of new folks. So I hope you get excited as I'm excited about the 15th of July, which will be extravaganza. Then in in August, we've got Prince William County Fair Booth, Soul Winning Ministry. We'll be having training sessions on the uh, three Saturdays prior to those dates. Nine days in August for this very, very important and exciting activity of our church. All right. I'd like you to take your Bibles today. Notice on the front of the bulletin where it says, Revive us again. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. That's from the uh, prophecy of Habakkuk. And uh, there have always been people that God <clears throat> has wonderfully and gloriously saved and turned around for His glory to do His will through. And I'm, I'm one of those I didn't deserve to be saved, but God saved me anyway. And I'm on my way to heaven. And that's not ever going to change. But along the way, sometimes it seems like I'm getting bogged down on the journey. And there are a lot of people here that can identify with that. You've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, but every once in a while you feel like you're just sloshing through the mud, like your tires might be spinning a little bit. And you don't know what you need. Some folks think, well, I need to get saved again. No, you don't need to get saved again. Uh, when God saves you, He does it right. It's We're the ones that mess it up. What we need is revival. Revive us again. We praise Thee, O God, as we have sung already. So revival isn't uh, somebody getting saved again. It's, it's somebody getting right with God. And back to doing what we're supposed to do, uh, the way we're supposed to do it, God's way, when He wants us to do it, and, and getting lined up and doing what we should have been doing anyway. That's what revival is. There's some people who get this confused. They think... Revival is just a meeting that's scheduled. And the church will sometimes uh, put a, out on the marquee, you know, revival meeting beginning on such and such a date, ending on such and such a date. Well, the meeting is going to begin and end on those dates. But we pray that revival doesn't. We pray that the revival, which is a work of God's Spirit in the life of people, those that have already been saved but slowed down, gotten sidetracked, you know, if you have promised that you would serve God and you aren't, or you promised you'd read your Bible, you promised you'd be faithful, and because we're human, we have a sin nature, we get bogged down. What do we need? We don't need to get saved all over again. We need to get revived. And we need to get out of the way and let the Lord have His way. Years ago, we'd have people come for special meetings to churches. As I was growing up as a boy, I'm a third-generation Baptist preacher, and I can recall... Far back as, as I have any memory at all of special preachers coming from far off places, either uh, around the country, around the world, and these evangelists would come in. And their purpose was to come in and evangelize. Now there are those today who say the term evangelist should be applied to missionaries or to people who evangelize, and I understand that. But many times the evangelists would preach to the Christians to try to get the Christians right so there'd be a good foundation to see more folks get saved. When I went out in special meetings, I did what uh, Charles G. Finney did and was called. I called myself a revivalist. And people said, that sounds really unusual. And I said, really, that's, that's an older term. That's a term that was used by people back in the 1800s 
They would come into an area that was totally unevangelized, totally unchristian. Nobody was going to church. Everybody was in a horrible state of spiritual being and, and wasn't good. And they'd come in and they'd just preach the paint off the walls. And they were known as revivalists. It turns out we need revivalists today. We need God's people to be uh, the material by which God rekindles His people. We need to be revived and we need to help revive others as well. Uh, I was reading an article by a fellow that just stepped aside as the director of one of the mission boards that uh, some of our missionaries have come through. And on this, on this particular occasion, he writes, as retiring as the executive director of a certain mission, a warning against functional ineffectiveness. And he's entitled his article, The Irony of Duct Tape. Now, I've, I've been in churches where they've given out duct tape, a roll of duct tape, to every man there on a certain day, a Father's Day or something. And uh, how many of you have found uh, numerous ways to use duct tape? Yes, absolutely. Do you know the history? Do you know that in World War II it was developed and it was actually called duck tape, like quack, quack, quack? And then later on they changed it to duct tape because post-World War II, some people discovered that they could, on short notice, tape up you know, venting and other things at home and make it work. And you say, well, preacher, you're behind the times. Everything at my house is stuck together by duct tape. And, uh, and that may work temporarily, but they've done studies. And according to the studies, this tape that was invented originally and used for uh, emergency situations was never, was never actually uh, meant to be a long-term solution. They have other materials that are better for things like vents and uh, other projects at home. But here's, here's the application. The application is this, that when it comes to our getting right with God, we don't need to just duct tape what's lacking in our spirituality. We need a permanent fix. We need the proper materials. We know that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth from all sin. We need to get back to the old paths, as it says in Jeremiah. We don't need some newfangled thing. Most of the new Christian trends, things that are taking place within the larger venue of Christendom, and we'll use that term, within Christendom, uh, most of those things are, are about two miles wide and about a half inch deep. That's the problem. They're like duct tape trying to fix something permanent that was only intended to be like a short-term fix. I'm not against a big rally, for example. We're having uh, an extravaganza, but we can't just have events. We can't just have big, you know, uh, hoodoos, kind of things that we're going to do uh, without having the Word of God, without having born-again salvation, without having people come to Jesus and grow in grace through the Word of God. If we miss that, we're going to miss everything. You can't just talk people into getting saved because it's a good idea and they don't want to go to hell. They need to believe and understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin is death. We deserve to go to a devil's hell. 
But Jesus took that devil's hell upon Himself when He died on the cross. And we need to genuinely be sorry for our sins and be repentant so that we might be able to receive the free gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not adding to salvation. Salvation is simple and basic and easy. That's true. Uh, God did the hard part. Jesus did the heavy lifting. But the permanent kind of salvation I'm talking about is affected by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's not merely an emotional thing, but it's a real spiritual transaction that's taken place because of the grace of God. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We talk about revival. We need to make sure we've been vived the first time. If we've been vibed the first time, then if we've gotten down in the mud or we've gotten messed up or we've gotten sidetracked or we've gotten discouraged, there's a lot of people like that. There are preachers and deacons and church officers and people who uh, are, or were regular in church attendance all the time that are absolutely uh, disgusted or disturbed or upset or distracted and aren't even going to church anymore. There are a whole lot of people like that. And what is the answer? If they've never been vived, they need to get saved. They need to get vived. But if they've been born again, they just need to get revived. And I'm going to talk about how we can get revived. You'll notice in your bulletin uh, how to have revival. And R.A. Torrey, who was a great uh, congregational Presbyterian back in the days when congregational Presbyterians were truly born again and preached the paint off the walls, he said, I can give a prescription that will bring revival to any church or community or city on earth. Number one, first let a few Christians, that's born again, saved people, get thoroughly right with God. No more fooling around. No more settling for the shallow, you know, miles wide and fraction of an inch deep. No more of that. Get thoroughly right with God. If this is not done, the rest will come to nothing. Second, let them bind themselves together to pray for revival until God opens the windows of heaven and comes down. There are hundreds and hundreds of churches right now, Baptist churches, independent, Bible-believing, fundamental, soul-winning, King James Bible, Baptist churches that are without pastors right now. And so you know what they've done? The vast majority have decided to follow the most logical path. And they've got 30-page questionnaires and they're contacting and they're, they're, they've, they've had a meeting and uh, they've said to the people, oh, what kind of pastor would you like? And uh, they say, well, we'd like, we'd like him to be between this age and that age. And we'd like him to be this tall or this short. Or we'd like him to look like this. Or we'd like him to preach this kind of message or whatever. Totally wrong. Outside the will of God. What a church needs to do if they haven't got a pastor is get on their face before God and ask Him to give them one, the one He chooses. If a church needs something, we need to get on our face before God and ask Him for what we need. We need to beg Him. We need to plead with Him. We need to say, for your glory, Lord, would you please grant it? Would you give it to us? That's it. So we need to pray thoroughly right with God. Pray and bind ourselves together until revival comes and God opens the windows of heaven and comes down. Third, let them put themselves at the disposal of God for His use. Now this is, this is what we do. We say, oh yes, we want revival. We want soul saved. We want God's will. Yes, we do. But don't ask me to do anything on Saturday. Don't ask me to come to church more than once a week. 
Don't ask me to do uh, any extra Bible reading or prayer or giving. And the problem with that is we will never have revival. We'll never have God's best if we put limitations on God. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't say, well, I don't think I'll go to the cross today because I got a backache. Don't you think he had a backache after they beat him with that cat of nine tails till he was just a bloody mess? But he didn't say, I got a backache, so I'm not going to go to Calvary today. He went to Calvary anyway. Think about Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you're thinking about quitting, giving up, letting up, doing less than your best, don't say, well, I'll serve, but it, it can't be between this time. It can't be in this situation. Listen, we are His to command. He bought us lock, stock, and barrel from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. Anything and everything about us ought to be willing to change and adjust to whatever God says. Now, you don't have to do exactly what the pastor says. You have to do what Jesus says. You don't have to do what any other leader in this church says to do, but you need to weigh it against what the Word of God says. And if the Word of God says and the Holy Spirit of God confirms that's what the Word says, then we just need to make ourselves available and do that. We're never going to have revival as long as we put God in a box and limit Him. We need to say, Lord, you have your will and your way with me, with my family, with everything that I am and everything that I possess. It's all yours. I'm not holding anything back. Lord, I'm yours. He needs to have access to every corner of our life, every aspect of our life. You say, well, what if I don't like it? You know, it may be that something that I like or even that I love, and we'll talk more about that tonight, is not lined up with God's perfect will. Everything that we like, love, and do ought to be lined up with His will. Yes, Lord, yes, to Thy will and to Thy way. I want you to realize with me today, this whole business of revival isn't that difficult if we're willing to step out of the way and let the Lord be in control. That's it. That is absolutely it. Set your affection on things above, Paul said to the Colossians, not on things on the earth. What things on the earth are we looking at and loving and longing for and tied to so that God can't bless the way He wants to? I'm thinking right now things in my own life that I can say, Lord, come on in. You've got it. It's yours. Not my will. Not my way. Not my desire. Yours, Lord. I want yours to be done. Revival is when that which is not lined up with God gets lined up with what it should be doing and what it should be about anyway. I want to take this in reverse order. Now, usually we start from the middle and work out, but I want to start from the outside first of all. And, and I want to say we need a revival. We need an old-fashioned Holy Ghost sent revival in our world. Would you say that that's true? Amen? Would you say amen to that? Absolutely. We need a revival in this world. And there is coming an ultimate revival. In fact, it says in Revelation 22 that John saw a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because the old heaven, the old earth, had passed away. Over in 2 Peter and uh, chapter number 3, verses 9 through 13, it talks about the elements fervently melting and everything passing away. And uh, people have long been concerned that uh, somebody might press the wrong button down here on earth and just obliterate everything and it would all be dissolved. No, God's going to do that Himself. He is going to dissolve everything that currently is right now so if you set your affection on things below, it's all going to dissolve. It's all going to burn. It's all going to pass away. We need to set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. We're going to have a new heaven. We're going to have a new earth. It's coming. And in Romans chapter 8, 
And this is an interesting passage. I want you to turn there with me. In Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament, it speaks about the key to everything being made over new. In Romans chapter 8, in verse, verse number 21, verse number 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Now, what does that mean? That means this, that someday everything that currently is going to pass away, it's all going to be made over brand new. But the Lord is doing this. God is in the soul-saving business. And He wants you, your family members, your neighbors, your co-workers, your fellow students, people that you cross paths with, He wants you to be a witness and me to be a witness so they have a chance to come to God through Christ. And then when the last soul, we don't know who that is, comes to God through Christ and to save the Bible way, boom, we're out of here. And as the events then follow, eventually everything that is is going to be done away with. In the initial stages, everything's going to come under the control of King Jesus who's going to sit on the throne of David for a thousand years in what the Bible calls the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And during that millennial reign of Jesus Christ, everybody will have to line up with King Jesus. Everybody will have to do what King Jesus says. He'll rule and reign with a rod of iron and we'll be in our glorified bodies. So that's not going to be a challenge, but it's going to be a challenge for everybody else. At the end of that thousand years on earth with King Jesus sitting on the throne, can you imagine this? Satan's going to be loosed out of the bottomless pit and is going to lead a rebellion of those who are still in their mortal bodies who will choose to go with Satan. They'll be put down and then they and all others who have never received Christ will be cast into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone forever and ever and ever at the great white throne judgment. We'll be there at the great white throne judgment having already been uh, judged for our works and already saved by the grace of God and in our glorified bodies. And won't that be wonderful? And then the very last thing the Lord's going to do is He's going to do away with everything that was and it's all going to be brand new. And the former things shall pass away. And I don't know for a fact every detail. Now Tom, I've, I've thought with my, with my limited capacity of brain, I've thought about all those things that could be and how it might be and I know I don't have it all figured out. But I've wrapped my brain around this. That this is not heaven. That's coming later on. And we are not what we are ultimately going to be, but we're in the process of becoming what God wants us to be. And for this moment, right now, in this moment of time, I want to live for Jesus in view of eternity because there's coming a great revival, a great renewal, a great making over, brand new, all over again, of the heavens and of the earth. Getting ready for that. Need a revival. Boy, I tell you what, next time you think about how sick and how sad this society is, how bad this world system is, just thank God. Breathe the prayer and thank God. It's all going to pass away. It's all going to be gone someday. I'm giving you the countdown in reverse. That's number seven where revival needs to take place. Number six, we need revival in our nation. And there'll be someone that'll stand up today in some pulpit somewhere throughout this land and they'll say, America is going to be under the hand of judgment. And they'll say something like this. If God doesn't judge America for her sins, 
then she'll, she'll, uh, God will have to uh, raise up Sod Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize for the fire and brimstone that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. And I've got to tell you right now, there's a lot of sense to that. But here's what I would love to see. I'd love to see America get saved. I want the world to come to Christ, and we need a revival among our missionaries, among our Christians, but I want to see our nation lead the way. God has given us the United States of America with all of her imperfections, and He said, it's your time. It's your turn. The reason we're a world leader is not because we're so smart, so rich, so good, whatever. None of those things. The reason we have this opportunity is because God said, there's an open door. It's your turn. You can be the sending nation. You can raise up churches and Christians and a next generation. And that's what we want to do. Our nation needs revival. The Bible teaches us that the blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Righteousness exalteth the nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. We're under the condemnation of God if we don't get right with God. The problem with America isn't just Washington, D.C. or uh, people that might be champion, championing uh, evil causes. The, the problem with the United States of America is Christians aren't standing up for what's right. And we need to do that. I know it's getting awful quiet in here. If you're not going to make some noise and say amen, I'll, I'll make all the noise. Amen, preacher. That's good preaching. It's time for all American Christians to get right with God and stop living for ourselves and stop living for the flesh and stop living according to our own opinions and according to our own preferences. Man, there are so many preferences, it's just fodder for the fire. It's going to burn up. It's all going to burn. That's all there is to it. We need to start living for that which counts, which is for eternity. That's number six on our countdown. We need a revival in the world and it's coming. He's going to make it all over brand new. In the meantime, let's win all the souls to Jesus that we can. We need a revival in our nation. In the meantime, we need to be living for Jesus and encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ to stand up for Jesus and for godliness. Number five, our countdown. In every community, there needs to be a revival. There's a, another election. Every time there's an election, you and I, I'm not getting political. I'm saying you ought to vote with your Bible open. I ought to vote with my Bible open. I ought to vote for every godly person that's running for office that can make a difference at that level. I know that's not permanent. I know that's politics. There's a difference between permanent and politics. But in the meantime, if somebody godly is running for an office, then you and I ought to be out there and vote for that person. I can't think of anything that makes more sense than that. Living for Jesus every day and voting right. Some of you have given up on the system. And I say the system is flawed. But the answer is not to give up on it. The answer is, let's do what Jesus would do. Amen. Every community, every community. It says in Ecclesiastes in chapter number 9, I've seen under, under the sun, Solomon writes, Something very, very strange, very different. There was, a, 
There was a little city and, and few men within it, but one man by his wisdom saved the city. How did he do that? The devil came against that city. The enemy came against with bulwarks and, and, and so on, but that one man by his wisdom saved the city. There need to be key Christians in every community, in every town. There need to be key Christians in our town that will make a difference and save our city and save our community. For us just to say, well, we're just going to give it to the criminals. We're just going to give it to the sinners. We're just going to give it to, the, to those that are promoting sin. We can't do that. We absolutely cannot do that. We need to stand up. And, and if the law says you can't build a place of sin within so many yards or feet of, of a church, we ought to start a church on every corner in the town and stop it and put them out of business. I don't believe the answer is to go to a place of sin and and, uh, and put your stamp of approval on and ask God to bless it. That's not the way to do it. Go to a place of sin and you say, uh, righteousness exalteth the nation and this is not righteous. This is wicked. This is destroying the fabric of the character of our, of our young and of our society and we need to stand against it. In the old day, the preacher would stand up and preach specifically against specific sins. He says, people, people are out of their mind and they're, they're drugged and they're drunk and they're, and they're, they're in deep sin and, and uh, the family is falling apart and, and people are going to hell in the hand, handbasket and, and people would say amen to that. Now you can't even get a peep out of people when you preach that way. Like plowing cement. Hey, got up this morning, I prayed, I said, Lord, Help make that plow extra strong as I go through that cement. And that's what we're going to do. Amen, preacher. Amen. I see these missionaries and these preachers dying, going their way. I say, who's going to do what they're doing in the next generation? We need a revival in our world. We need a revival in our nation. We need a revival in our community. We need a revival. Here it is, number four. In every business, in every classroom, in every organization, every, every club, every gathering, every place there needs to be revival. If it's something that a Christian can belong to, that Christian ought to get up and say, we ought to start this off with prayer. When did they think it was okay to stop having prayer at the beginning of our supervisors meeting down here in our county? Now, I'm not against any people. I'm not against individuals. When did they think that was more American to not pray? I'm glad in the day when I got the phone call. When I got the phone call from John Jenkins' office. And he said, Preacher, when can you come and pray? And I said, anytime, schedule me. And they scheduled me. And then the feds sent that, that, those standards. You can't pray in Jesus' name. You can't quote, can't quote any scripture. And I called up John Jenkins. And I said, what am I going to do? And he says, that, that, that you do have a problem, don't you? And so I took the paperwork that they gave me and I chucked it. Went down there and I said, folks, we may be having church at the jail next time we meet. So you come on down because I'll be preaching through the bars. Went down there and I prayed in Jesus' name and I quoted about 30 scriptures in that prayer as I prayed what, the, what they, they wanted the, you know, just a blessing pronounced, I'm sure, on what they were doing. And I prayed that I got invited back and did it again. I don't know the day will come when I won't get away with that. That's going to come someday. 
But every gathering, every organization that a Christian can have any part in, we ought to be able to pray. We ought to be able to pray. Tom, you remember the day when you'd go to a public school and teacher would open in prayer. My parents used to tell me about it. I thought, what a, what a phenomenon that is. Just a generic prayer. Dear Lord, bless our day. Give us strength. Keep us safe. What in the world is wrong or un-American about that? There's not a thing in the world wrong with that. But there are so many venues. Here's what's wrong. There are so many venues where Christians said, oh, okay, we'll back off. We'll back off. That's why this world needs a revival. That's why this nation needs a revival. That's why our community needs a revival. That's why your business, that's why your club, that's why your organization, if you coach a team, there's absolutely nothing wrong with kneeling down and praying with the team. And I'm glad the Supreme Court agrees. I'm glad that at least for the present moment that that's still allowed in the United States of America. I'm not talking about forcing somebody to pray who doesn't believe in God or who doesn't believe in prayer. But I'm talking about doing what's right. And in America, the only reason we are where we are today is because there is a God in heaven who looked favorably upon us, who allowed us to establish upon this continent a, a new nation. And it was grounded and founded in truth. And even though people have not always been right and haven't always done what's right, thank God for those who have. Thank God for what we have experienced. Praise the Lord. I'm counting down. We need a revival in our world. We need a revival in our nation. We need a revival in every community. We need a revival in every business, every organization, every class, every team, every gathering of people. Number two, counting down now. We need a revival in every home and family across our great land. See, not everybody's saved, but they ought to have a chance to be. They ought to have a chance to be. And I know when I go up to a door and it says no solicitation, sometimes it means they want to keep Fuller Brush away, but usually they want to keep Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and Baptists away. I feel bad about that. But when they put a sign on the outside of a community and they say, no solicitation or distribution of literature whatsoever, that has been tested in the court, Supreme Court on down. That is not legal. That sign does not have a right to keep you out from talking to somebody who wants to talk to you when you go to their door. So don't think we're breaking any laws when we do that. We are not. If they say no solicitation, if they say no literature, just go on your way, or like one fellow did, he threw my literature out in the yard. That's all right. It's all right. I pray for his soul. I don't hate him. We're going to do what we're going to do for the cause of Jesus Christ because he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We need a revival. You know, there are a lot of homes where people used to go to church. They used to be under Bible believer uh, preaching. They used to be under true preaching. And they're not going anywhere right now. And they're just waiting for someone to come by and say, you know what, we've got a church over here and we love folks and we'd love to have you come. Someone said to me this week, well, what if I don't, what if I don't dress a certain way or what if, I don't, I mean, what if I don't have money to put in the offering plate? Those are not issues. We're not, we're not even thinking about that. Once you get under the preaching of the Word of God, that's the important thing. Every home, my home, your home, 
Every home needs an old-fashioned Holy Ghost-sent revival. Every one of us need to get... We, we could do more, be more, yield more than we are right now. You know that as well as I do. That we could, for the glory of God, be and do more than we are right now. We need that revival. And so the home is very important. How sacred is the home? So sacred that God performed the first wedding. Establish the pattern where two become one flesh and a family is established. And that family should be raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. That's a wonderful privilege but a grave responsibility for which we all will answer one day. Individually, number, number one on the list. Individually, as has been said, didn't you say it, Tom? Draw a circle, step in that circle and say, Lord, revive the person in this circle. Make the person in this circle thoroughly right with you. And that's what I'm saying right now. We need not something brand new. We, we need something that's old and tried and true. We need to get back to the old paths. That's it. Ted Camp, who is a minister to the deaf, writing in the sword of the Lord, uh, just not long ago, wrote this, If it ain't broke, don't fix it. My wife decided to repaint our den in the color brown. A simple color became complicated when she returned with many colored cards. I saw many confusing, complicated color choices. I remember when there were only eight major colors, red, black, purple, pink, white, yellow, blue, and orange. Then I realized these complicated color choices crossed over to cars, paper, clothes, lipsticks, ties, fonts, etc. I saw the colors are named after colored things as nutmeg, sky, cloud, sea foam, peach, celery, cinnamon, taupe, stone, brick, banana, lemon, glacier, sand, harbor, natural, cream with an E, mist, haze, coral, meadow, ebony, huckleberry, Cashew, canyon, olive, champagne, pewter, smoke, orchid, sagebrush, daffodil, gold, silver, turquoise, emerald, ivory, pineapple, mango, parchment, spice, ash, pepper, and aqua, just to name a few. And that's what people are running into in the realm of religion today. There's only two kinds of religions, so to speak. There's the religion of man, and there's the religion of God. Let's get back to the book. I, I know that every church and ministry may be slightly different than every other church and ministry, but what it comes down to is, is there a God-called man who stands behind this sacred desk and holds up this book and says it's God's word it's preserved there are no mistakes in it we ought to by the by the grace of God obey it we ought to know it learn it and apply it to life it should change me change my family change my church change my business my classroom my team it should change my community, it should change my nation, it should change this world. Not everybody is going to respond the first time, 
Not everybody is going to respond ever. But everybody should be exposed to the plain, absolutely unvarnished, uncomplicated truth. Without God, without Jesus Christ, you won't make heaven. How simple can I be? With Jesus Christ, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanseth from all sin. Receiving Him by faith is the way that you get to God. That's the way you get saved. And Jesus paid it all. How simple can I be? And God only has one plan for me and you. God only has one plan for our family. God only has one plan for our church, for our community, for our business, for our team. God has but one plan. It's written down in His Word. Do you understand what I'm saying today? Let's keep it simple. Revive us again. Fill each heart with Thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. All we need is a little Holy Ghost fire. To get back and do what we know is right. Whatever is basic, whatever is true, that's it. It's absolute truth. That's where we need to get unvarnished. It's not the right way to go. It is the devil, the world, and the flesh that tells you, oh, what you need is, and they give you this laundry list of little options of things that are not basic, that have nothing to do with the truth. What I'm saying to you right now, you know, you can like aqua if you like it. But when it comes to salvation revival, folks, look at me. It's blue. How many of you understand what I'm trying to say today? That's it. We're not going to get off on some side issues. It's the absolute truth. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Aren't you tired? all these dead-end rabbit trails. And today, let's get back to basics. How many of you would say, by upraised hand, Preacher, what you were saying today spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Come on. What you're saying today spoke to my heart. Makes sense. Amen. Thank you all across the auditorium. What are we going to do about it? Will you come kneel at the altar and say, Lord, that's what I want. I want back to basics. I want to be back in the Word. I want to be back to the absolute truth. I want to do and be as you guide and direct and not anything else. I don't want to be distracted or sent off on some rabbit trail. I want to just be right with you. Let's start with salvation. Do you know for sure if you died right now that you go to heaven? Have you ever received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you ever called upon the name of the Lord and asked Him into your heart to save you, to take away your sins, to take you to heaven when you die? If you're not sure you've done that, will you do it right now? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Pray from your heart something like this. Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive Him into my heart. Right now, I receive Him into my heart as my personal Savior. As my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die.
will conquer the dark.